Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Uh, uh, yeah. I'm, I, I see what you're saying back here, Joe. Uh, pastor's not here. Why'd we come today, right? Anyway, I get that a lot. Uh, before we get started, though, I, I, I have a certificate here. Um, and just the way we present these has changed a little bit this year since there's the whole uh, physical distancing and such. Um, but I just want to say on behalf of uh, the West Virginia Baptist Convention, American Baptist Churches USA, um, a giving certificate to Madison Baptist Church. And, and just to say thank you all so much for the support uh, that you give to us as the West Virginia Baptist Convention, uh, because we, I mean, our mission statement is doing Christ's work together. And it's because of you and the other close to 400 churches around this state that we can do the things we can do together. And um, so thank you all. And, and it's been a hard year for all of us, hasn't it? Um, I, I, I was supposed to be been at Cowan as a count counselor a couple of weeks ago for high school one camp. My wife and I have been doing that for a while. Uh, our youngest daughter, it's her next to last year. She's going to be a junior in high school this year. And, and so it's, it's been hard, and I really hate it for the seniors. Anybody graduate high school this year? You did? I'm sorry. I mean, this is horrible, isn't it? Uh, uh, but traditionally, things have just gone awry. But then on the other hand, I've seen uh, the, our, our family, we go to New Baptist Church in Huntington, and so for some of the kids there that live in the neighborhood, now they got something I didn't get. They got a parade around. Yeah, everybody going around with signs and stuff and honking and um it's just different isn't it um and so having zero kids go to cowan this year um it, it, it's hard because of that ministry um having extremely limited uh ministries happening at parchment valley has been hard um and even bcm i was talking with rob ely who, who uh does bcm at marshall and of course was at cowan for about 100 years but uh, just trying to figure out how to do ministry on Marshall's campus. They do small groups, great, and they can keep doing that. The struggle is, how do you fit 300 kids into a 200-person auditorium on Wednesday nights, right? Um, so it's just different, and, and it's hard. And um, so we're trying to figure this stuff out together to do Christ's work together, and a lot of that feeds into the, the sermon this morning. Um, if you have your Bibles or your bulletin, uh, you can turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 1. Um, and, and I just want to say, Joe, I, I very much appreciate um, I appreciate your testimony because <clears throat> so often you, you think from a worldly standpoint, how do we define success? Uh, we all want the best job. We all want the this. We all want that. And, and you know, so often we can find ourselves chasing the wrong things. Um, I, I can say from my, my own personal standpoint, I was a telephone man. Loved that. I was a cable splicer. Worked more overtime than I ever wanted. Made a lot of money every year. And God called me into ministry. I took about a $70,000 pay cut. And you know what? The cool thing was, Within a year, we were better off financially than we ever, ever had been before. That's a God thing, folks. And so when we follow God's call in our lives, that's where we find true success when we're doing what God's doing. My oldest daughter just finished her sophomore or her freshman year at Marshall. And it's funny, she's you know, been a straight-A student her, her entire life. She's way smarter than her dad. I don't know where she gets it. Um, 
but you know, she's going through and doing this, and, and she could literally do whatever she wanted to do. And so what's she going to do? She wants to be a high school math teacher. And it's so funny how many people say, why would you want to do that? You can do anything you want to do. And, and, and although she's backward, very awkwardly backward, mind you, she, she's not great around people, but yet she wants to pour herself into young people. And if, if more Christian folks would, would go towards that to, to invest, I mean, how much better would our school systems be? How much better would our schools be if Christians started investing their lives into the kids before they had a chance to get messed up, right? Because God is calling us something that's so much bigger than ourselves. And so many pastors, and you're all included, could have done a whole lot better that the world would have called more successful than ministry, Right? Jim could have been a big-time lawyer wherever he wanted to be. And here he is, Madison, West Virginia, being an excellent pastor for you all. And I say thank you all so much. Because I, I'm seeing, you know, part of my job, I work with about 90 churches in southwest West Virginia, and part of my job is to be a pastor to pastors. And we have a lot of tired pastors right now and worn out and trying to figure out how to do ministry with this. Trying to do ministry, you know, odds are most of our churches are not planning. What are we going to do if we have to close down again? But what are we going to do when we close down again? We've had several churches this week already make that decision. We're not going, we're closing back down again, going online until after Labor Day at least. Because this is the world we're, we're having to learn to be in. And I say, it's teaching the church to do one thing that we've never really been before to be flexible, because <laughs> so let's face it, as a church, we're, we're, we're horrible at being flexible. I mean, change, it's what, a six-letter word, is that six? Yeah, but, but it might well be a four-letter word in churches, right? But we're learning how to have to change, and, and God is changing how we are doing ministry today. Um, I, I think a lot of ourselves have found, especially now, um, in these situations, we, we feel like God, he, he's sometimes speaking to us to step out, but our life situation just isn't where we want it to be. Uh, sometimes we just find ourselves, anybody ever find themselves like a, their life just in a mess? Because welcome to humanity, right? We all have. As he said before, we were all sinners saved by the grace of God. I often say, and maybe I've told you all before, it's just, it's by the grace of God I didn't find myself dead in a ditch a long time ago because that's what I, where I should have been. It's what <laughs> the life I was living, that's what I deserved. But God had a better plan. We find ourselves saying sometimes, God, I want to serve. Right. It's actually, is it, Jerusalem. God's people were taken into exile and Jerusalem was destroyed. So you imagine somebody coming in here, another country, if you will, running us out of West Virginia. You could say running us out of Madison and then destroying everything that we held dear. Running us out of the church and then totally annihilating this church and tearing it down. That wouldn't be very pleasant, would it? So they ran them out of Jerusalem. They tore down the temple. They tore down the walls. They tore down everything that meant something to them. God's people were taken into exile. Everything was destroyed. Everything came down. And the people were taken to another land to live. They were in a mess. 
yet we're given many, many stories of perseverance in, in these hard times. Do you think these times were harder for them than what we face today? I say, yeah, we still at least get to go home at the end of the day, right? We, we might, you know, have the oppression of having to wear one of these. <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, it's a mask, you know? I wear shoes to protect my feet. I wear a seatbelt to protect myself driving down the road. Um, you know, it's a mask. I think a lot of us need to get over it. <laughs> but uh, see, the book before Nehemiah is Ezra, though. So where we learn after after 70, 70, 70 years in exile, there was a group of about 50,000 Israelites that were then allowed to return back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. Seventy years in exile. I mean, it's a whole generation, two generations. This didn't happen very quickly, the temple getting rebuilt. Anybody remember the funny name in the Old Testament? Zerubbabel? funny name I always forget where it comes from but, but Zerubbabel led the first return to Jerusalem around 538 BC 538 years before Christ about 80 years later then in 458 BC Ezra led the second return to get the temple finished and after about 13 years later we catch up to where we are today so 93 years approximately after the nation of israel was taken into exile we get to where we are almost 100 years beginning in nehemiah verse or chapter 1 verse 1 it says in the month of kislev in the 20th year while i was in the citadel of susa Han and I, one of the brother, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, "Those who survived the exile and are back in and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire." When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and the laws that you gave our servant Moses. Remember the instruction that you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even your ex, even if your exiled people were at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place that I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight 
in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was a cupbearer to the king. Would you pray with me this morning? Dear God, we just pray that, uh, ask your blessing on the reading of your word. And God, as we stand here today and think about the scripture and we think about exactly what was happening in the lives of these people. God, different pandemics, different plagues, different tragedies have always been a part of our existence. God, one thing that remains is you and your love and your control. And God, I just pray as we come here so often day to day saying, Lord, I don't know how to respond to this. God, I don't know what to do. God, I pray that you help us to hear that the simple answer is what it's always been. When you say, follow me. Follow me. And God, whether we can meet here as, an, as a congregation to worship you or whether we're watching on computers, your call is still follow me. Love people in my name. Serve people in my name. So God, shut my mouth and help you to speak so that we can all hear, have ears to hear something that you're trying to speak to us, each and every one of us today. For it's these things we ask and pray in Jesus' name. And amen. <clears throat> So when we move forward, uh, I mean, these people found themselves in a mess. Everything that they know is tore down. It's messed up. The city now was completely unprotected, which you know led the people, all the hard work they had put into rebuilding the temple in a vulnerable mess. I mean, you think it, it took them like, 47 years to come in and rebuild the temple. And now it's just standing there unguarded where anybody could come in and loot and tear it down again. So when we find ourselves in different places and different hardships and different things in life, we really have a couple of different options. They had a couple options. We have a couple options. Number one is we can complain and pout, right? I'm good at this one. This one's easy, isn't it? And most of the time when we hear people, if you're ever on Facebook, what's 99% of, of different things, we see people complaining and, and pouting out loud, right? Or... The other option is we can give it to God and follow him, right? I mean, it's really our two options. Whether it, whether it's a pandemic like we're facing, goodness gracious, we're in a political season to make things worse, right? Let me ask you, is there any Democrat or any Republican out there that can save this world? There's a Savior in his name, Jesus Christ, amen? And it doesn't matter who is in office, they're going to be a human. The thing is, when we trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he will lead us to where we need to go. We, the, the thing is, even Scripture says, whether we love somebody or hate them, we're supposed to do what for them, our leaders? We're supposed to pray for them. We're supposed to lift them up in prayer. And, and I've always said as a pastor, going through different seasons with different presidents, different governors, this and that, if we would pray for these people as much as we, we would complain about them, we would see ourselves in a much different America, I believe. One that uh, honors God and, and loves him. 
So when we think about these things, I, I'm going to say we choose number two. We give, uh, we give our messes to God and follow him. So number one, if you're writing down these points, number one, give your mess to God. How often do we mess things up by trying to do it on our own? <laughs> I, and I can speak from my own personal experience. There's a lot of stupid that I try to do on my own to get it right. And you know what happens when I do it on my own? Typically, I mess it up. Now, maybe you all are better at these things than me. When we give our mess to God, I, I love there in verse 4, Nehemiah heard this news. He heard the news that the walls had been torn down. It was heartbreaking for him. We hear news that breaks our heart quite often, and it's heartbreaking. And he wept, and he didn't just keep weeping. He, then he gave it to God. He kept things in perspective of who God is. And, and I think that's something that we would do well right now in this day and in this time is to keep into perspective who God is. In verse 5, he says, Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. It's the God of love. It's the God who will not fail us. No matter how scared we are, no matter what, God will never fail us. Does that mean we tempt him and go do stupid stuff? No. We use some sense that he gave us, and I know... I love to use the way we, we've got to use common sense. The, the sad reality is that there's less and less of that being common anymore, isn't it? But God still gave us sense to turn to him and to love him, to live our lives for him. Nehemiah, Nehemiah kept things into perspective by understanding who God was and when he was fearful and when, when he still knew that God was still somehow in control, even though he couldn't see it. And then he started preparing himself for, for the service that God was calling him to do. He started preparing himself by pleading to God to let your ear be attentive, your eyes open to hear the prayer that your servant is praying before you. Day and night, for your servants. He wasn't just praying for himself. He was praying for his brothers and sisters. He was praying for Israel. In our uh, context, we say he was praying for everybody in the church, not just this church, but the church capital C. He was praying for the people in the Methodist church and in the Presbyterian church. And he was praying for Christians around the world who many, in fact, uh, the, the pandemic is the least of their worries. Uh, there's many of our brothers and sisters in the majority of the world who, I mean, they're more concerned about what their meals want to be for today or this week than getting the pandemic. I hope we never lose sight of how, how blessed that we are. He confessed his sin and he, and, and he was pleading to God. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. Brother Joe just gave us that in his testimony that we still need, need to go through this. I mean, the thing is, when we give our life to Christ, we are forgiven. doesn't give us the, the, the license to go out and do as we please. 
when we give our life to Christ, our sins, past, present, and future are forgiven. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't recognize that we're still sinners saved by grace. And not under, only understanding that it was his sin, but it was his family's sin. And then our sin has been committed against God. I mean, it's very easy for us to look around the world where the you know, Bible teaches us not to judge, but we're judgmental people. And it's unfortunately the way we are. We look and we can justify our sin by saying somebody else's is worse, right? And the thing is, sin isn't, yeah, it, it, somebody may, may disagree, but I, I kind of look at sin as a symptom of, of who we are. In Christ, we are forgiven and the Holy Spirit of God dwells in us. But you know what? We're still susceptible to this flesh that we wear. We are imperfect people serving a very perfect God. And we have to understand that and realize that even though we are forgiven, we mess up. And so we have to give our mess to God. We have to be willing to allow God. And here's the hard part to change us. It's easy to pray that God would change the circumstances around us, isn't it? God, make this go away from my life. But so often, you've heard this a hundred times probably, but more than that. It's not about changing our circumstances. But when we face these things day to day, what is God doing to change us? It, it, in every circumstance, in every hardship, what's he doing to make us more like him? So not only giving your mess to God, but then returning your life to God. Seeking God's plan for your life. One of the things that I really miss about the camp this year, dealing with high schoolers and, and having 16 or so high school young men in, uh, you know, they're facing, trying to figure out what they're going to do for their life, trying to figure out what they're going to do for college. And it's real easy to go through life, especially, if, you know, being young and figuring out what you're going to do. It's easy to go through and just uh, think about what you want to do. But the thing is, we have to see God's plan for our life. And often he gives us, I really think he gives us the ability to choose. But yet, no matter where we're at, no matter where we find ourselves, he's called us to live for him. We often struggle, though, because uh, we're trying to do it on our own. How many times... When we think about returning to God, how many times have you heard, maybe you've said it, uh, people struggling with things in life, and then they say something like, I need to straighten my life out and then get back into church. Or we'll say, they need to get straightened out and then get back into church. And, you know, the thing is, this is the exact opposite of the way it needs to happen. Who did Jesus say needed a physician? Do you remember it's not the healthy who need a physician. It's the sick who need a physician. And so, uh, you know, this is a quote that's probably overused, and I can't even remember who said it, but this should be, a, this place is not a hotel for saints, right? 
but it's what? Have you heard that before? It's a hospital for sinners. So welcome, <laughs> welcome to the triage, right? Because we are all here for God to, to look inside of us, to, to show us, to bring to light where we need to, to be better for him, where we need to grow in him. Again, it was Jesus who said, not, not just somebody random, <laughs> that it's the healthy that need a physician. It's not the healthy, but the sick. And then number three is to serve God where you are. All of us find ourselves in different circumstances and different places, whether you're a school teacher or an astronaut or, you know, I don't know. When we look at verse 10, it says, they are servants, they are your servants, they are your people whom you redeemed by great strength and by your mighty hand. When we give ourselves to God, we are all here to serve God and not the other way around. Not saying any of you all do, but you probably know people who think God owes them something, right? <laughs> we know people who sometimes come to church for what God can do for me. But he prays, Lord, hear our prayer and grant us favor not for our good, but for the good of God, the good of God's kingdom. See, Nehemiah was the trusted servant. He was a cupbearer for the king. Anytime somebody said something wrong that made the king mad, the king had the authority to have him killed on the spot. So he put himself at great risk. Lord, hear my prayer. Grant us favor. Number one, we need to use our present position to serve God because we can make all the excuses in the world. I'm not good enough. I'm not in the right place. You don't know the people I work with. You don't know my family. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And then Nehemiah prayed again for success, not just that God would remove the situation, but that he would use him and his brothers and sisters to advance God's kingdom, to, to build this wall. He didn't pray for personal success. He requested success for God's work. And this is a choice. Each and every one of us, as we sit here today, we have to choose to follow God where he leads us. To give our mess to God. To do that, we have to admit that we are a mess, that we have a mess, <laughs> and that we need to be saved from our mess. Sometimes we just got to clean out the closet, right? <laughs> Return our life to God, and we do this by believing in God's Son, Jesus Christ, as not just our Savior, but as the Lord of our life, who we follow. Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. And then to serve God where you are, we have to choose to follow Jesus and choose to serve him wherever each of, us, each of us are. So as we close, my prayer for us today reflects that of Nehemiah. Lord, God, help us to turn to you. Help us to live for you and choose to serve you. 
God, give us success today in serving you in the midst of our own little worlds. God, give us success today in serving you in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of our own messes. I mean, God, help us to be world changers today, not to make ourselves look great, God, but to lead people to you, to live for an eternity in your kingdom. God, be with this church as we move forward to understand where you're leading and, and God, to have the courage to step out and do what you've called us to do. That even if our churches are closed and we can't meet, that we don't see the churches closed, but we see the mission field is open. And God, I just pray that if there's any here today wrestling with issues in their life, maybe of, of control, maybe God, just wishing they were somebody else or, or in another situation. God, I just pray that you speak to us all and help us all to be our best in our current situation and not waiting for our situations to change to be our best. For it's these things we lift up and we ask and we pray in the precious blood and the precious name of Jesus Christ. For amen.